welcome to episode 70 of B Boomer Unleashed, The Evolution of Music, Part 7. This week's episode, Music of the Bible. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of B Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me tell you, as always, where you can find us. You can find our podcast at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. And you can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed. And on Twitter, you can find our link at bboomerunleash one And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Give us your questions, your comments, suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll make every effort to get you on the podcast. Well, last week, if you'll remember, we interviewed Mike Tussey, alias Mike Todd. He's a member of the West Virginia Broadcasters Hall of Fame, um, and we talked to him about his tenure in the tri-state area and his involvement in country music, in particular on WTCR radio. Then the week prior to that, we interviewed another West Virginia Broadcasting Hall of Famer. We know him as Jack O'Shea. Of course, his given name is Jack Comer, but we boomers of the tri-state area remember him as our favorite DJ, Jack O'Shea, on 800 WKEE as he spun those rock and roll favorites. And we took a trip down memory lane with Jack and uh, discussed the many changes in music through the ages. In this series, we've also spoken with John and Christy Snodgrass about Southern gospel music and their involvement there. We talked to Gen Xer Shane Cartmill, who is also a uh, DJ who DJed lots of dances and parties over the years and has an extensive vinyl record collection. And we talked to Shane about the music of his generation. And to kick this series off, we interviewed... Fellow baby boomer and longtime friend Randy Bishop about his lifelong affection for music and how it changed and shaped his life. Well, this week we're going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the music of the Bible. Yeah, that's right, the music of the Bible. You say, well, what are you talking about, Jerry? Well, folks, we didn't invent music. And as we search the scriptures, we can find many references to music. We've tried to contact some folks involved in music at the uh, school level without much success, to be quite honest with you. They're busy right now with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic going on, and they're doing a lot of online instruction and that kind of thing, and they're a little bit difficult to get in touch with. So I've decided that we'll finish up the series, for now at least, this week with this episode on music from the Bible. Uh, We'll come back to music in different genres, and we'll get some of these folks that are involved in uh, education, uh, high school and middle school folks that are teaching music. We'll probably try to talk to some folks at Marshall and uh, maybe WVU and some of the music programs that we have there. We'll also talk about country music and 
bring you right up to uh, today's uh, New Age venue, if you will. And we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But, you know, that's the nice thing about being a solo podcast that nobody pays you to do (laughs) what you do. So because of that, I can go down nearly any path I choose. So that's what we're going to do today. And we'll move on to something else next week. Well, we're going to share with you portions, excerpts, if you will, from an article that we came across on the Internet. It's a got question type website, and they say if you got questions, we've got a biblical answer for you. And I'd like to be able to attribute this article to a particular author, but the website doesn't do that. They have pastors and uh, seminary students and people like that who are writing these articles on biblical questions. And so we're going to kind of use part of that article as a springboard uh, into this discussion today on music of the Bible. Now, the question is, I guess, that we would pose is, well, what does the Bible actually have to say about music, Jerry? I thought the Bible was about Jesus, and it was about uh, Moses, and it was about Jonah, and All of these people of the Bible, well, yes, it is. It's all that and more. It's a historical account of the history of mankind, very accurate historical account. It does tell us about Jesus. It does tell us about these Old Testament prophets and these Old Testament saints who lived long before we did and the sacrifices they made so that we could have the spiritual life that we have today. But the Bible does talk about music, too. And so we say, well, what does the Bible say about music? Does it really say anything? Well, you know, music is an inherent part of every society. You know that, and I know that. Everybody has their own music. I remember when I was in Jamaica, they had a sound called reggae. And uh, that was the sound of, of the Jamaicans. And they liked that music, and it was very popular there. And to some degree, it's popular here in the States as well. Uh, there's some cultures, unearthly sounds of throat singing in Mongolia, for example, in Siberia. Uh, you know, these are as important to their cultures, this type of music, as Bach and Beethoven is to the European countries and European cultures, or the same as the drum-driven, you know, dance uh, is to Native American cultures. So music is an important part of life. I don't think any of us would deny the fact that music is a very important part of life. So it shouldn't be surprising that the Bible has a lot to say about it, since the Bible is about life, and it's about our life. In fact, the longest book in the Bible is a songbook. Did you know that? The longest book in the Bible is a songbook. Well, what book is that, Jerry? Well, that's the book of Psalms. Psalms. And Psalms accounts for over 7% of the Old Testament. So 7% of the total writing in the Old Testament is in the book of Psalms. In addition to the Psalms and other song and poetry-focused books, such as, you know, you've got your Song of Solomon, you've got Ecclesiastes, you've got others. In the New Testament, we have song lyrics recorded in Revelation. Uh, you can find those in Revelations chapter, Revelation chapter 5, 7, and 15. The mention of Jesus and the disciples singing in Matthew 26. You can go there and find that. And the example of the apostles singing in Acts chapter 16. 
Now, many people consider Mary's, or what we call it, the Magnificant, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, to be a song too. Well, let's read that. And we read to you from the King James Version of the Bible, as I've told you many times before, simply because that's my favorite. If you read from a different version, that's up to you. We're not going to fall out over that. But I like the King James Version of the Bible. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, and I can almost hear Mary singing this as this young virgin sings this song. She's, and Mary said in verse 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, he hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Can't you just hear Mary singing that? Can't you just hear her singing that? Wow, what a declaration that was that Mary had there. And uh, what she says when she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Can you hear that in song? The Bible has a lot about singing, a lot about music in it. Then the angel's announcement that we find in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. A lot of people say that that's a song. Uh, Let's read that to you. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, again from the King James Version. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And we've made song lyrics out of that very thing. You've heard it in church cantatas. You've heard it in Christmas songs. Glory to God in the highest. You know, I'm no singer, and I'm not going to sing that for you because you will turn it off rather rapidly. But uh, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Music in the Bible. Music in the Bible. Music soothes the soul. Music in the Bible. You know, the church, we're told to communicate with each other with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Where do you find that, Jerry? Well, that's in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, if we're happy, you know, if you're happy, you just sing, don't you? You know, music is is food for the soul, and it should help us to get through troubled times even. And the, the music of the Bible is very important. So what about these Old Testament musicians? Well, the first reference to a musician in the Bible is found way back in Genesis chapter 4. Jubal was the fourth generation from Adam through Cain and is recorded as the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. So that was an early musician. Other references to music include Exodus 15, which records Moses and the Israelites singing a song of victory after they overthrew the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. 
At that time, Moses' sister, Miriam, remember Miriam? She led the Israelite women with tambourines and dancing as she sang. Then uh, Jephthah returned from battle. Jephthah's daughter met him with timbrels and dance. And David's victories were also celebrated in psalm and, and songs. And we can find that in 1 Samuel. We can find that. So music was celebratory. Music was soothing. Music of the Bible. It was an important part of the Bible. And a lot of times people don't think about that. They say, well, Bach or Beethoven or, uh, you know, Liszt or somebody invented music. You know, somebody back there. No, 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 no. We've had music since the beginning of human history. You know, the music of the soul, the music of the Bible, and it's important. David's often referred to as the sweetest psalmist of Israel. He's credited for writing about half of the 150 songs that are recorded in the book of Psalms, along with some of his historical books. He was the official musician in Saul's court. And during David's own reign, he organized the Levitical musicians. We find that in 1 Chronicles. And uh, they record that more than one in ten Levites in temple service was, were musicians. Now imagine that. One in ten of the Levites that were in temple service were musicians. So obviously God thought that music was a pretty important thing. Pretty important thing. You know, it's not just something we do for entertainment. It's something that is recorded in the Bible and something that we should do. Other musicians include folks like Asaph, who was credited with about 12 of the Psalms, the son of Korah, Solomon, um, Heman, Ethan. These are people who were actively writing this music, these Psalms, if you will back in Bible days. If you never thought about it before, music was used in conjunction with all manners of activities in uh, those early days. Music was used at coronations, events of the royal court, at feasts. You know, it's interesting to note the connection between music and the supernatural trumpets sounded when the walls of Jericho fell down. You remember that? You remember the story of the walls of Jericho falling down? And they marched around that, and the trumpets sounded, and the walls fell down. You know, they they followed. It wasn't the trumpets. It was following God's instruction. But it's interesting that music was a part of that total process. Remember David played the harp to soothe Saul? during demonic attacks. When Saul was attacked by demonic sources, he would call David in, and David would play the harp, and it would soothe Saul's soul. Well, there are also some musicians uh, that uh, and music in the New Testament. Two of the Gospels mention the fact that Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn at the end of the Last Supper. You know that? In your church, when you serve uh, communion, Usually at the end of that communion service, a pastor or somebody will say, and when they had sang a song, they went out. And that's what they did. They were happy, and they sang a song, and they went forth. They sang a hymn at the end of the Last Supper. Elsewhere in the Gospels, music is seen as part of mourning, and it's also part of celebration. So music can be used to mourn. Music can be used to celebrate. 
Music is a powerful, powerful medium, and it was important to God, as he mentioned it so often in the Bible. You know, Paul gave instructions regarding the use of music during Christian gatherings. You know, in Ephesians, we see that addressing each other with hymns and songs, as we talked about, uh, being spirit-filled in Colossians, the same as an indication of being filled with the word of Christ, and the songs came from the Spirit. James 5.13, as a matter of fact, says, uh, uh, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Is any merry? Let him sing. So, you know, is any among you afflicted? Well, if you are, pray about it. But if you're happy, if you're merry, sing. Sing psalms, God says. In Psalm 98, we look at some verses as we go through the Bible here that mention music and mention singing. This is probably one of the most famous verses about singing in the Bible. Psalm 98, 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. You know, we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sometimes the noise that I make when I sing you know, I'm not like my friend Randy Bishop. You know, I, I I really sometimes don't do too well singing. But we can at least attempt to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Psalm 33 in verse 2 in the King James Bible says, Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. So stringed music, music stringed musical instruments were used in the Bible. What do you think about that, Randy Bishop? You could have played the bio, the guitar back then, maybe. Or you might have been a harpist or you might have played the psaltery or something. But the stringed instruments were used in worship in a worshipful way uh, way back in Bible days. Psalm 95 and verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Not only are we to come in the presence of God with thanksgiving and a thankful heart, we're to make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. God wants us to praise him in song. So you have the music of the Bible being important to God. You know, music wasn't always a good thing in the Bible. Every time people sang in the Bible didn't, didn't necessarily mean it was a good thing. Just like today, not all music's good. Sometimes in the Bible it wasn't too good. Let me read a passage of Scripture to you here um, in Exodus the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, chapter 32. And we're going to read verses 15 through 25 and kind of set the stage here a little bit for you. Moses was up on the mountaintop when God gave him the Ten Commandments. And he decided it was time to go down off the mountain. God said, you know, these people down here, they've kind of going wild on you. Probably ought to go down and check on them. So in verse 15, Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand, that's the Ten Commandments, 
that he had on those tablets of stone. The tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. Moses didn't write them down this time. Now later, Moses had to go back and he had to do the work to do it. But God etched those in those tablets of stone. The tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Can you imagine being able to see the handwriting of God? I guarantee it's perfect. It's perfect, isn't it? Verse 17, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, they're getting close to camp and they're hearing these people shouting. He said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for become, for being overcome, but the voice of them that sing do I hear. He says, I hear them singing. I hear them singing. In verse 19, it says, And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. Now these people, in Moses' absence, decided, well, maybe Moses is not coming back. So they took all their gold and they melted it down and they fashioned this calf. And they were singing and dancing around that calf. Not only were they singing and dancing, they were naked. They had all their clothes off. Now, that kind of singing and dancing does not glorify God, does it, in any way? So when he came down, he broke those tablets, and he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, You know, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods we shall go before which shall go before us. For as for this, Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what became of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it in the fire, and there came out this calf. Oh my goodness. He Popped that gold in the fire and poof, popped out this calf. Can you imagine that? Magic. Do you think that's what happened? Well, no. They made that graven image. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. And it goes on and talks about what happened there. Terrible thing. See, music was not always good. Let's look at another spot here where music wasn't so good. Matthew chapter 14, verses first through uh, 1 through 10. Let's look in verse 1. At the time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. They thought Jesus was John the Baptist. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him, for Herod 
had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. So his brother Philip had a wife named Herodias. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. So, you know, he said something to the king he shouldn't have said. So he put him in jail. And he would have put him to death, but he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. He was afraid to put him to death because the people thought John the Baptist was a prophet, and so he was. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. So here's this young thing, this pretty young lady, dancing. Now, do you think they had music to dance by? Of course they did. And she did some provocative dance that pleased Herod. And uh, he was just all all over himself. He was just beside himself. So whereupon he promised an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she being before instructed of her mother, her mother who was Herodias, said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. Give me John's head on a plate, she said, basically. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them also that sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given to her, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. So there was some music that wasn't a very good thing, was it? So not all music is good. So what kind of music should a Christian listen to? What should we listen to? Well, should we listen to only gospel music? Should we listen to only Bible music, should we listen to only Southern gospel? Should we listen to, what, what should we listen to? Well, music that has a wholesome message. That's whether it's Christian music or secular music, it has to have a wholesome message. You don't want to listen to some song that is not wholesome. It talks A song that talks about adultery or gangster rap that talks about killing people or a song that talks about going out and getting drunk or smoking dope or whatever it might be, we don't need to dwell on these things. So we shouldn't be filling our mind with music that does not glorify uh, the soul. So what kind of music should we listen to? Music that has a wholesome message. What about Christian contemporary? A lot of people listening to quote-unquote contemporary Christian music today. Well, what's the message? What's the message? Country? How about that? I like country music. Jerry, is country music okay? What's the message? How about rock and roll? Some good old rock and roll. What's the message? (laughs) That's all I can say. You know, you don't want to get into listening to music and being involved in music that has a uh, blasphemous type of lyric that goes with that music. Um, you know, and I'm not going to go down name specific songs except for one here. And I'm going to give you one final example, one final example. You know, just because a song has some Jesus words in it, it really doesn't make it a good song, does it? Well, what do you mean? If it's about Jesus, it's got to be a good song. Well, some of you boomers can remember back to 1970, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar, for example. Jesus Christ Superstar. Utter blasphemy. Utter blasphemy. 
Perhaps the most blasphemous part of the entire rock operas where Jesus is depicted as a lover of the prostitute Mary Magdalene. Now make no mistake, Jesus loved her, but he loved her as a Savior loves his child. He didn't love her in a in an erotic way. But Mary sings a song, I don't know how to love him. I don't know how to love him. That was sung by Mary Magdalene. It makes the inference that she's had so many men and that he's just one more and that they had some something going on there with Mary and Jesus. Total blasphemy. Total blasphemy. So what do I listen to? Listen to something that uplifts the spirit and has a good message. Just because it says it's a Christian song doesn't make it a Christian song. And should I listen to only Christian music? I'm not going to say that. There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of music out there, folk music and country music, and even some rock and roll that doesn't have raunchy messages to it. They're just fun tunes. And I think that's what we should fill our life and our souls with. You know, both the Old and New Testaments address music and strongly support using it in worship and the you know, an extensive anthology of actual songs found in the Old Testament indicates the importance that God places on creative musical expression. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to be one of these people that can create music? Music's use and worship in the church today is valuable and can honor God in a special way. Music is a communication tool and a true born-again Christian is a singing Christian because we've got joy in our heart. Yes, music is in the Bible, and it was important. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. It's been great to be with you. Next week, we're going to launch into another series, if you will. Uh, It might just be a solo episode. I've got several things that's rolling around in my head and several suggestions from some friends of mine of where to go next and uh, we'll uh, surprise you next Monday we'll we'll let you know what that's going to be about well thanks for joining us for this episode of Be Boomer Unleashed we look forward to being with you again real soon until then have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you goodbye goodbye